Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are Eric Devin and Jeremy Smith. Liga is back after the short international breather, but who is right back into their stride and who's still waking back up after a little rest? All of that and more after the latest headlines. Nice made it two wins in a row as Patrick Vieira's side won 2-1 against Rennes in the early Friday night matchup. Malang Sarr's own goal put the away side in front, but goals from Alan Saint-Maximan and Pierre-Lise Melou mean Les Aglons took the three points. Paris Saint-Germain prepped for their trip to Anfield this week with a 4-0 win over Saint-Étienne. Despite the absence of the suspended Kylian Mbappé and rested Neymar, the league leaders remain unbeaten in a result that also included the first goal for 19-year-old substitute Mr Diaby. On Saturday, Lyon scraped an awkward 2-2 draw away to Caen. The home side had a 2-1 lead despite seeing Alexander Jiku sent off, but Furlon Mendy saved a point with a minute to go as Baisama Sanko also saw red late on for the hosts. In the multiplex, Lille survived a late Amiens revival to win 3-2 with Nicolas Pepe netting a hat-trick, while Angers smashed three in 18 minutes for a 3-1 victory at Dijon. The other games saw two one-all draws, with Libo Motiba scoring in added time to earn a point for Strasbourg at Montpellier, while Aaron Leia Iseka ruled out Yuri Tielemans' strike as Toulouse and Monaco shared the spoils. On Sunday, Rance held Nantes to a goalless draw in a somewhat unnoteworthy affair, while Nîmes continued to entertain as they played out a 3-3 thriller in Bordeaux. In the final game of the weekend, Marseille heaped more misery on pointless Gangomp as a four-goal salvo in the second half saw them rise to second, a double from Florian Tovan, Dimitri Payet and Kostas Mitroglu all on the score sheet for the side that are facing Europa League opponents on Thursday. And that's all for the news, but for... Well, for you all the latest in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with Lyon, who continued their frustrating start to the season with a 2 all draw against an eventually nine-man con side with the Champions League on the horizon as well, which isn't ideal. But focusing on the game at the weekend first, Eric... A bit of a frustrating point. Yeah, I think that this is sort of how Leon have been playing to start the season. I mean, yeah, Fakir scored a great free kick, but uh, there's still defensive foibles. There's still a lack of cohesion. Uh, obviously, Memphis was presumably rested for the for the match at Manchester midweek. He wasn't involved uh, from the start, at least. Uh, and it was a frustrating after or. Afternoon for for Leon. I think that they're not playing with the same verve and and technical uh, ability that they were down the back end of last season. We look at how influential Memphis was, how how impressive even Bertrand Traore was. I think both of those players, in particular, are a fair way off. I think uh, you know Fekir had a decent evening, but is still a little bit f- further away from being his best than I think Bruno Genesio would like him to be. Uh, I think that there's been promising signs from Jason Denier, but I, I still think that 
that defense needs a little bit of work. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of the points that Leon has got this season have been reliant on, you know, a moment of the spectacular. I don't think that they've really offered uh, a comprehensive, comprehensively strong performance yet in any match. And I think that that certainly doesn't bode well, not only for keeping pace with, uh, with the top three in France, but making a fist of progression in, in the Champions League. That's the interesting one so far, Jez, looking at the games they've had. It's not like they've been playing any real world beaters yet. I mean, they've got two okay wins against Damien and Strasbourg, but they struggled against Reims away from home with a 1-0 loss. They obviously had that one just before the international break where they went down to Nice, but at the same time, this one at the weekend feels even a sort of a separation from that. I mean, they obviously went ahead, but then Claudio Bovu pegged them back just after half time. And then they went down to 10 men with Jiku being sent off. And at the same time, they, they couldn't capitalize on that. They went behind again and it took a, a late strike from Mendy to really save them. Are you a little bit worried about the, the form they're going into, especially as we're heading into um, the sort of the more, more we've had the initial part of the season. We're going into European football now. There's more competitions on the way. Um, are you a little bit worried about how they can continue to fight on several fronts? Uh, yeah, I am. I mean, you know, they say that form's temporary, class is permanent, and they've got enough decent players there that you can't, you know, you imagine that at some point they might click, but. By the time that happens, the rate they're going, they could, they could, you know, really be playing catch up in in league at, in Champions League. They've got, um, you know, it's a, a tough tough draw as it is. Um, certainly, you know, <laughs> the first match against Man City, who are already purring and Lyon really struggling to find ball. Um, it, yeah, it could. By the time they do click, if they do, it, it could well be too late. And um, I've always thought Genesio got a little bit too much stick. Um, I know, if, you know after, after a, a World Cup summer, often things are disrupted. But the fact is that um, you know, Fek- Fekir is the only the only player that you know was really away for a long long amount of time during the summer. He really didn't have a rest. And as important as he is to to Lima, I think. I don't think it's any exaggeration to say he is their most important player and sort of. Uh, got them out of a few burns the last couple of years. There should be enough other players there who've had a decent rest, who, um, irrespective of the, the formation that Genesio puts them out in, should be performing better. Um, so I think I think there's probably a, a mixture of issues there. I think there's possibly a couple of players who maybe are sulking after not getting the moves that they may have wanted in the summer. There's, uh, you know, looking at Ndombele playing in a, a two-man midfield at the weekend, I don't think he looked as, as comfortable as he does in a three-man midfield. So there's, you know, there are mitigating circumstances at times. But Genesio, being a, a coach who's been there a while now, and um, these players being top-class players, they should be adapting, and it should be taking. I think it should be happening quicker than five matches in. And on top of that, as you said, not exactly the, the most difficult five matches to open a season with either. It gets even more awkward looking ahead of things because it's not just the Champions League game where you're going away from home against Manchester City, who look in, in great nick yet again, Eric, but also looking 
even slightly ahead of this because of this result again where they've drawn yet again it leaves them at the moment seventh in the table but there's a very important league and game coming the weekend after as they host marseille it's it's coming thick and fast are you uh, a little bit worried about how the the team will balance ahead of these two games thinking that obviously like you mentioned Depay was was possibly rested for the midweek game but there's another one coming up how do they balance these next two games coming up then do, do they throw everything they can at manchester city do they maybe try and and, and play a more defensive display and maybe hold something some of the players back for for marseille how, how does genesio balance this one i think it's honestly difficult to say because we do know that in the past uh, last time they were in the champions league two seasons ago uh, genesio wasn't afraid to experiment tactically uh, you know i remember him playing a 3-5-1-1 for example and some other very interesting formations as he sought to balance injuries and playing against, uh, I believe that, that was Juventus and Sevilla in that group. Uh, Leon didn't progress, but uh, they did end up with the Europa League final. But Genesio, I don't think that there's a way that this team is currently constructed to have the personnel to play um, more negatively, uh, to play more defensively, to try and limit City. And we've seen, I think, from City's performances that playing a more attacking style is the best way to get at them. Uh, I think that he needs to have all hands on deck and, and play a strong squad. I'm not sure if Musa um, Dembele is eligible for the Champions League, um, but I, I think that probably playing a, a 3-4-1-2 with, um, or sorry, a 4-3-1-2 with, with Auer in midfield uh, and, and Fekir behind uh I would say probably Depay and, and Traore, or maybe Terrier, makes the most sense uh, to, to not limit any chances that, that Leon might have. I, I think that particularly Fakir and Depay, you know, those two players more than more than any, uh, more than any players, I would say probably in Ligue 1, aside from uh, maybe those at PSG, maybe, maybe well, seeing the Marseille result from tonight, I think we'd add Paye and Tofan from that, to that as well. Um, but they're the type of players who can change who can change a match on a knife edge. So, you know, maybe this is a match that Leon lose two one, but by keeping it respectable, that allows them to say better Shakhtar Donetsk results um, at the Etihad and, and allow Leon, allows Leon to progress on uh, by some narrow margin. So I think that Leon need to be attacking. Genesio needs to put out his his players that can be a catalyst and effect change in this match, and and pull off a moment of magic. Maybe. It's at at it's at the risk of not being as defensively sound as they perhaps could be, but I, I think that there really is no other option. I think that Leon need need to stick or twist. But what's the point of finishing third in this group for another Europa League campaign? You know, looking at the teams that are in there, do you really expect Leon to 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 do that, I think you've already got Chelsea and Arsenal. You're probably going to have at least a couple more teams dropping in that are of measurably higher quality than Leon. There's no point in, in hoping for third. I think the progression and, and having an all-out attack to try and get a result at City, foolish as that may seem, is really the best option here for, for this team. And that's the, the funny balancing act of this one, really, Jez. It, 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 do you think that... That some teams have had success sort of pressing Manchester City and being a little bit more open, but at the same time, that's quite an easy way to get cut to ribbons by that kind of team as well. And with Leon, maybe not on the highest of confidence and knowing that every point will count in this group with two other very difficult sides for them to face. 
do they risk going for something like that? Or maybe do they try and play a little bit more defensively? I know it's not something they're, they're really known for, but is that worth the risk? Is the, is the reward worth that kind of risk? Uh, I suppose it, it depends if they're going to kind of say to themselves, you know what, we don't care about goal difference. We'll just sort of, um, you know, rely on getting the points over the other teams that will finish ahead of them. Um, I do think it's a group that they, they could come out of. I think they could just as easily finish third or fourth. I think with the exception of Man City, I think that the, the three other teams are reasonably um, similar in, in Stanford. But certainly Lyon should, I think, have the class to get through if they get their game together and they play like the, the Lyon at the end of last season rather than, than the, the one that started this season. So, you know, no one wants to be sort of really put to the sword and embarrassed like that, especially on the European stage. But on the basis that I do think that they are, uh, that they're, you know, that their attacking players are a lot more talented, let's say, than their defensive players. If they want to play to their strengths, they, I think they should go, go on the attack, even though there's a chance that it could work out against them. Um, you know, I suppose, Either way, you might. If you're going to go down, you might as well go down with glory. But I can't. I can't see them. I can't see them being tight enough at the back to sort of frustrate City and come away with you know, a nil-nil draw, or seeking some kind of win. So they might as well go for it, and hopefully they get their results against the other teams. That you know, if they do come away with a three-nil defeat or something like that, it, it won't matter when it comes down to it. Absolutely. Let's get the perspective from the other side of things. And joining us for the Manchester City sort of side of this game is Sam Lee of Goal.com. Welcome to the show, Sam. Thank you very much. Hello. Uh, great to have you on. Let's chat about City then. And they've been pretty great to start the season as they were last season. Pretty impervious at the weekend against Fulham. Managed to rest a couple of players. What's their attitude heading into this fixture on Wednesday night? Uh, well, I mean, as, as I'm sure you can imagine... The reaction to the draw in general was it could have been much worse. Uh, you look at like who United have, have got, who Liverpool have got. You know, there's there's a lot of tricky ties. Spurs, obviously. City have obviously got the the, the kindest draw of, of the English teams in the Champions League. Um, and and regarding this game, it, there's it there's no you know there's no major build up. It's obviously Fulham and the teams that City have played so far are you know have got certain aspirations in the Premier League maybe. Mid, mid table at best and genuinely not to do a disservice to Leon from my point of view but the the build up to the Leon game is nothing out of the ordinary it it's like another game um against the likes of Fulham or or Newcastle basically it's a game that city are expecting to win and again maybe that does do a disservice to Leon in terms of the preparation for it but given how good city are given the the general reaction to the to the group as a whole it's you know it's not necessarily seen as the toughest game and also tied into that is as i'm sure you probably spoke about before or it's gone unsaid the usual kind of english apathy or um just general disinformation about foreign leagues and and team european teams that aren't barca madrid bayern munich that kind of thing so yeah it's it's pretty low key build up do you oh sorry do you do you see? I mean, have you uh, seen much of Shakhtar Donetsk? I mean, do you do you do you perceive yourself? What's the, or what's the perception? Is is Leon or, or Shakhtar 
uh, seen as more of a threat to to City, or or who's the favorite to come second? I guess in your opinion. Well, well, this is it. Um, last year, obviously, Shakhtar were in City's group as well, uh, but Napoli were obviously seen as the main threat and 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 didn't go through. Um, so this year, it's kind of like well, they managed to see off Shakhtar last year um, pretty comfortably at home. The last game was a dead rubber, um, and now people are seeing maybe Leon is not as not as not as good or maybe not as as well suited to playing City as Napoli were because obviously with the Sarri approach last season, Napoli, you know, they had their own merits to take the game to City and kind of play them at their own game. So even so, there's, well, certainly the feeling I've got, there's not really been much attention on the Champions League at all so far because it's kind of, it's kind of as if they're already through to the last 16. So there's, it's, Taken as read that City will go through, and there's not really a feeling of oh this team will be particularly difficult or this team um, will most likely finish second if City are to top the group or anything. Honestly, so far all all the attention has been on the Premier League and starting the season as well as possible. And it's like right, okay, now we've got the Champions League, and it's it's almost as if we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that strange sort of former Barcelona mentality, isn't it? Where they, when they got into that kind of rhythm under Guardiola, that it, it almost seems like a, a natural. And much to that, Sam, is the real the tactics we'll sort of expect from Manchester City. We we kind of already know how they'll play. They sort of impose themselves on others. But what's the best way for? other teams to get to Manchester City this season. We've seen Wolves obviously take a point when they played them at Molyneux, uh, but at the same time, Fulham play in a very similar style and, and didn't really lay a glove on them at the weekend. Is it better to be more conservative or is it better for someone like Leon who play to their strengths of trying to go at City and seeing if they can take them toe-to-toe? I mean, it's, it's difficult, obviously, either way. And I mean, I could talk for a long time about the Wolves game, but I don't really think that's what your audience is here for. But the thing with the Wolves game is they did, you know, Wolves did play well and they were a bit more adventurous than you would have expected of other teams in a, in a similar situation. But at the same time, as while City weren't at their best, they did create a lot of chances, et cetera, et cetera, on another day. Probably deserved to win. Um, and I think Wolves' performance was very good, but at the same time overrated. But to go back to um, basically Leon's best bet last season, Napoli obviously and Shakhtar they both took the game to City at the Etihad, um, and they were Shakhtar were much better in the first half. In the first forty-five minutes, they they did very well, but they tired and couldn't really live live with it, and and City picked them off. Um, Napoli looked like they were out of it, but kind of got back into it a bit at the end. And that was again by playing their own football. Um, Feyenoord just just kind of, yeah, I mean, they're out of the equation, really. They were just kind of fodder. So for Leon, I wouldn't be surprised. And I, would, I mean, for what it's worth, I would probably advocate doing what Shakhtar and Napoli did last year. And, you know, just take take the game to City and not basically just not, not wait. Because if you sit back, all the evidence this season suggests, and last season, of course, that City, City will score eventually. And then what are you going to do then? Are you going to come out and then you try and get a goal? It's it's even more dangerous, isn't it? And it's kind of, yeah, you you may as well play to your strengths and, and go for it and and see what happens. Because if, if you sit back and wait, you've got a good chance you know what's going to, you know what's going to happen. You'll prob- probably lose anyway. Yeah, it has to be one of those displays where you're playing 100-odd minutes, almost perfect football to stop teams that are playing like that. Let, let, before I let you go then, Sam, uh, let's get a prediction what you think of the Ooh. score will be on Wednesday. Um, well, bearing in mind, 
bearing in mind the how City got on against the teams last year with that did go for them. They were they were pretty close, pretty close games. So I, I do expect City to win. Um two two uh, two one to City, I think, because they, they, they were they were good winners against against the teams I mentioned last season, but in the end the scoreline was actually quite close. So yeah, two one with potential for three one if they were a bit more clinical than they were at the weekend, which I know sounds silly because they did score three, but they weren't particularly clinical. <laughs> <laughs> it always feels like that when you're watching Manchester City at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's really difficult to explain what they're going to do. And in terms of the tactics, just a quick one on that. They tried new things in every game. Obviously, Mendy was out at the weekend, so they went back to that normal 4-3-3 from last season. But before that, it had been completely different in every game. New things, the two home games. The first one, they left all the fast wingers on the bench. So if you think the bench was Sterling, Sane, Mares. uh I can't remember who else. So, but they, they were all on the bench, and everybody who played was basically a technical player. Played through the middle. They picked their way through the middle. The next game, there was odd for a Guardiola team. There wasn't too much in the midfield at all, and he basically played four up front. So you never quite know what you're going to get. Um, and obviously, that will have a bearing on the result as well. But it should be an interesting game. Yeah, they got a, they've got an embarrassment of riches, haven't they? Really, that they can sort of pick what they like when they want to. Thank you for joining us, Sam, and, and good luck for for Wednesday and enjoy the game. No problem, lads. You too. Thank you. Cheers. On to other matters then in Champions League, because there's two more French sides that will be involved in starting with our current league leaders, Paris Saint-Germain. They steamrolled Saint-Etienne, and I don't know who said that on the, uh, on the midweek, well, sh- preview show at least, but I think a few of us did. Um, even with two of their best players left to be fresh for that Liverpool game. Jez, 4-0 win. Two players that get a nice um, relax before they try and attack uh, Anfield. Is that the perfect weekend for them? Yeah, I think it pretty much is. Um, you know, it's the first sort of possibly semi-test on paper for PSG this season. Nemo obviously did give them a real test. But um, you know, just looking at the teams they've played, you could say this is the first sort of relatively big club who may have given them a bit of something to think about. And basically... Saint-Étienne pretty much didn't turn up as, as they failed to do for quite a while now, certainly at the, the part they've passed. Um, and yeah, it was pretty much as straightforward as you can get. Um, got the chance to, to feel that it's got, got a chance to see Dracula, who, who had a good game, um, even sort of managed to change the tactics halfway through and see him in a couple of different positions. Um, another youngster, DRB, got his, you know, his, He's sort of taken over from uh, Nsoki and, and Kunku in, in grabbing the, the sort of young player headlines this weekend with his first goal. So, yeah, certainly it all looks good. And as you said, Mbappe obviously was suspended and Neymar didn't have a good night's sleep or something when he's coming back from Brazil. So um, those two will, will, will be rested for, for midweek. So, yeah, it's probably as good as it could get. As usual, the only issue for me is... Um, which was shown a little bit during the match, but will, I think, be the main issue on uh, in midweek is this, uh, as usual, the, the defensive midfield position. And then um, Tuchel said after the match, he's, he's got his team. He knows who 10 of his players are going to be, doesn't yet know who the 11th is, and a lot of that is, he says, to do with the formation he decides to play. But you have to wonder, you know, there's talk of, Marquinhos, who isn't really a central uh, defensive midfielder. Um, Draxler played there a little bit this weekend. 
did okay, but he's not a defensive midfielder. Um, Diara is, but it's kind of been semi-retired for a few years now. So, uh, you know, to me, it's just, it's still beyond belief that a team aspiring to win the Champions League still hasn't got that position sorted. And at least we know it's not the goalkeeper that he's stressing about, at least before this one. Um, but it, it, it promises to be an interesting game, Eric, against Liverpool on Tuesday night. It's a, a ter- two terrifically attacking teams that love have, have speed and, and, and aggression in those areas. You're thinking uh, Mane and, and Salah for, for the home side and obviously the rest of duo of Mbappe and Neymar for the French team. It promises to be an exciting game that might be a bit... Gung Ho again, a bit of a midfield battle as well. Do you think, even in the fiery cauldron of Anfield that does love its European nights, that the Paris Saint Germain can get a result? Uh, I, I would look at this. I mean, we'll, we'll probably get score predictions. I would look at this as being maybe a two-two draw. I, I think that both teams can have their foibles in defense, but I, I think I did. Uh, wake up early to watch uh, Liverpool Spurs on, on Saturday. And I was really impressed uh, with Liverpool. I think that, you know, as much as we've, we've looked at their attacking verve and their, and that front three in particular, I think they're also very solid defensively. Virgil van Dijk, I think, continues to impress, continues to be, continues to improve, continues to be, you know, uh, maybe one can make a case for the best centre-back in England. And I think that, I think with that being the case, that we really need to, to look at the task as being on PSG. I think that we need to see from this team a level of maturity, a determination of drive from the likes of particularly Neymar and Mbappe that that lives up to the best that we've seen from these players. I mean, we haven't really seen, I think, the best from Mbappe in a PSG shirt consistently. I, I think that we've seen more from him in a France shirt uh, but I think that if he can carry that sort of form, what he, how he played in the summer, uh, and how he played, you know, at his best, perhaps going back to his Monaco time in terms of his club football, then I, I think PSG have certainly a chance. But I think it's going to be really exceptionally difficult for them to to get a win. I, I would say a score draw is probably the best result they could really hope for. Uh, I think that this Liverpool side under Klopp just continues to improve, uh, continues to play with you know determination and a fierce and a ferocity rather that I, I think is is really uncommon and is really a testament to the belief that those players have in in what what's what Klopp is setting them out to do and they, they just look much more balanced this season doesn't it and that's something that maybe PSG haven't quite got yet that they haven't really found like like you mentioned Jez a defensive midfielder would, would help round out the team a little bit more maybe add a little more depth, especially in these big games, but have they got a left back and right back sort of fully yet? It's, it's, a, it's a bit of a funny one, really, but let's get some score predictions on this one then, because we do always like our predictions. Jez, what do you think the score will be? Uh, I I hate to say it, but I, I, I think it could be a comfortable Liverpool win. Uh, I'm going to go 2-0. 
and I, I, we've already had yours very briefly, at least, Eric. So I'll I'll say that I, I think that I just fancy Liverpool. I don't know why. I don't really. It feels a little bit dirty coming from my mouth, really. To be fair, but um, I, I think maybe a, maybe a two-one, maybe to Liverpool. And and in fairness, at the moment in the Champions League, finishing second isn't as bad as it used to be because every every team in the competition is not ideal once you get to the the knockout rounds now. And and a team that having a little bit more of a struggle really is Monaco. Eric, again, so far this season, they've been up and down and it was another middling performance. Again, they haven't really shown anything since that opening day of the season. And even then, it was questionable to get a 1-1 draw against Toulouse, who have been pretty good to start the season. It's a little bit safer, at least. But again, it feels like they're not quite rising to the task yet. And this young side hasn't quite clicked. This player's still coming back from international duty. So they may, maybe they'll use that as an excuse. But it's all in sort of dribs and drabs for them at the moment, isn't it? Are we talking about the Atletico or are we talking uh, Monaco. About- <laughs> no, that's- Sorry, that was not very yeah. sneaky. <laughs> I feel like Atletico have had a similar, similar start to the season. So we can get to that. But yeah, I, I think it's been... You know, obviously injuries have, have frustrated. You have Jovetic, uh, Golovin, uh, Pellegrini, Falcao, uh, Subasic. There have been a, a lot of a lot of key players have missed time through injuries throughout the season. So I think that there's been frustration uh, in watching this team play, and we could even maybe level the accusation at Jardim that does he know his best eleven from week to week? I think he knows his ideal eleven in. in in, in a world where all of his players are fit and in form. But I think for the time being, it's been, it's really been a struggle for this team. Um, and I, I think that we're going to see that mirrored in what has the potential to be, a, you know, a fairly tough group with, you know, an informed Borussia Dortmund and Atletico Madrid who, okay, are not in form, uh, but who, you know, we've seen, you know, are, as Europa League winners last season are still as, as tough and determined and, and and still the same side that we've seen over the last five years under Diego Simeone. So it's going to be an uphill battle for them. And I think that even with injuries, I think that, you know, Adam, our colleague is writing the, the long piece for the guardian this week. And, and he's certainly going to focus on Monaco's shortcomings in the transfer market that, you know, they've done so well over the past three or four years in terms of who they brought in. And I think some of the players they brought in this summer have, have looked good. Aulu, I think, has looked good. Uh, Ait Benasser coming back from from his loan spell at Caen has looked impressive as well. But I, th- I think that there are now significant holes in that team, significant areas that need depth and need reinforcement. I think that the club have failed to address, and I think that's those chickens are coming home to roost. Monaco this season. I, I had tipped them to finish fifth uh, at the beginning of the season, and I think that 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 still seems reasonable for me. They're not. They're not um, even factoring injuries. They're really not playing with the 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 level of of, of attacking uh, mouse that we would we would want to see from a, a team that have brought in uh, that caliber of player this summer, even with their departures. And. This is the thing at the moment, and especially going into the the game on on Tuesday, just that they've seemed disjointed. They've got a really young side again, as, as they they tend to have, but probably even more so than in the last couple of years, really. Especially at the weekend, there was a lot of young players in that team starting and, and even coming on as well. Uh, that the game comes again with with injuries against 
and Atletico is a side that are rough and ready and, and they're not one of those tests you really want for a young side against a, a physical and, and a team that demands a lot from you when you're playing against them. It feels like one of those games that John Hume will just want to get out of the way, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you could, you could say that about a lot of the first few matches for Monaco's season until things until he he sort of beds in his his team or his squad that he wants to go forward with, and you know, obviously it was his choice to stay there this summer. But I do feel sorry for him in that even more than previous years, I feel like this is a completely revamped squad, um, maybe bigger, but. Um, a lot younger as well, and certainly a lot of the, the signings from this summer. I don't think even I don't think it was even in anyone's thinking that they're going to feature much this year. Um, but even some of the others who, who have got a few games behind them, they're still very, very raw. And to, to chuck them in, I think we've seen even in league games, isn't that easy? But certainly to chuck them in the Champions League is going to be particularly difficult. Um, and you know, I think probably Atletico Madrid is. Maybe as bad a, a draw as as uh, as Monaco could have sort of wished for or dreaded, because I think they're exactly the kind of team that will sort of relish playing a, a, a sort of green team like Monaco. You know, really being able to kind of bully them with uh, you know all the dark arts that that we know that Simeone's teams are uh, masters of, um, and you know, as as Eric said. Let's go. I haven't had a great start to the season either, but I think this this match probably feels well for them and, and particularly badly for for Monaco. Um, you know, at least if it had been a couple of matches down the line, you could, maybe Jardim would have been able to work his his magic a little bit more and, and you know worked out what his what his starting eleven or even starting sort of sixteen is, um, and just had a few of these players, you know, even off the pitch, maybe with another international break, or whatever, just having more opportunity to, to play together and, and develop um, sort of relationships. But as things stand, a lot of the team don't know each other. I think Supersic is a massive, massive miss. Um, Benalio did okay at the weekend, but um, both in terms of pure goalkeeping ability and in terms of leadership and having that strong, strong voice and strong personality behind you, I think they're really, really missing Supersic. And yeah, I think possibly this is the, the worst team. You know, if you had to pick, hand pick the worst team in the world for Monaco to face right now, I think it would probably be Atletico. And that's the problem, isn't it? And we'll, we'll get into the prediction, really, of this one, Eric, as well. I know, obviously, if you want to mention Atletico start the season, because it's been a bit indifferent for them as well. But as Jez mentions, with the experience they have, it's probably an ideal one for them to be facing rather than a Monaco side who is also struggling, but trying to embed a lot of young players. Yeah. I, I mean, Atletico, you know, last minute equalizer at the weekend against Ibar, uh losing to Stelta Vigo. Uh, Obviously, you know their their own involvement in in the World Cup in the the form of well, Tommy Lamar didn't play, but uh, Lucas Hernandez, Antoine Griezmann, uh, these players coming back to full fitness is certainly going to have an effect on them. Um, but I think we've seen that it's their the quality of this this side. I mean, we look at Saul. I mean, you know, a player I can't praise highly enough uh, in terms of his evolution. And Toma Partey has improved as well. I, I think that 
there's just going to be too much, you know, even, even with Atletico's uneven start to the season, I think that we can lay that at the feet of participation of, of certain players in the World Cup. And I don't think that there's going to be much to worry about for Atletico come the end of the season. You know, obviously it's the title that some, that some had pointed to, you know, with the acquisitions that they made over the summer, probably isn't going to come off given Barcelona's start to the season. But I think that Atletico are more than more than a match for for Monaco, and I would look at them again not being the greatest attacking side, but probably a two 0 win uh, for Atletico uh, come come this midweek. Jess, what do you think? Uh, I'll try to be a bit nicer to, to Monaco, and I'll say one 0 because to Atletico, I mean that's all they'll need. So probably score that one goal and then shut up shop. It's a bit of a classic Atletico. Scoreline as well, really a, a solid one nil. I think that that sounds a wrap about what we'll we'll get from uh, from Diego Simeone's men. On to teams now who will be playing on Thursday night and starting with tonight's victors in Marseille. They heaped more misery on on a gang up side that they can't get out of their own way at the moment. Really, it seems like uh, uh, Jess, uh, but at the same time. It, for them now, with the confidence they've got so far from the season, they're second in the league at the moment. They, they've got a, that that top four sort of bandwagon off of them, at least anyway. But a, a tough trip, really, in the midweek. It's not the easiest, really, of Europa League games you would expect against an Eintracht side that they were good last season and have been a decent start the season, at least. Um how do they balance the two competitions, though, now? Obviously, they got all the way to the final last year. Is that something they'll be looking forward to, to again, or, or is this maybe their secondary focus with, with Ligue 1 in their sights and Champions League football next season? Um, I think it's got to be their secondary focus. Um, you know, certainly, at the, at the start of last season, I don't think any, any Marseille fans would have been expecting to reach a, a European final, so I think that was a bonus for them. And, you know, as, as fantastic an occasion as it was for them and a great run, um, I think they were a little gutted at the end of the season to, to just miss out on Champions League places. So I think that has to be the priority. And I guess on the basis that they just missed out on Champions League qualification, and I guess in a, in a sense, just because they got to the final, even though they were outplayed in the final, just missed out on, on winning the European trophy. It doesn't take that much more to to sort of take the next step in both. So in theory, they should be looking to to do well in both and to get that Champions League place and to still have a good European run. But I think realistically, um, I think the Europa League is getting stronger and stronger. Um, as Eric said earlier, that there will be strong teams coming down from, from Champions League. Um, I think they have to be thinking in terms of qualifying for the Champions League. Um, just partly because it's sort of less uh, dependent on, on luck of the draw, as in the Europa League will be to an extent, um, and partly because you know it's a club that is aspiring to to greater things, to becoming um, the best or at least second best club in France again, they have to be looking at Champions League qualification. They should really have qualified last year. They certainly should this year, um, even more so when you look at the, the stuttering start that, that Leon Monaco had, which we've already spoken about. Um, obviously, the only the qualms that you could have are that I think they, they haven't particularly 
strengthened their squad and that they're still lacking, particularly up front, which sounds weird after a 4-0 win, but arguably it was slightly flattering and it was at home against the rock-bottom team. Um, so, you know, still a very good squad and definitely should be pushing for Champions League this season. But at the same time, they, it would be a big disappointment if they don't come out of their, don't get out of their Europa League group. And that, that's a trouble for them at the moment, Eric. Because again, they they they've got some great results so far, but squad depth was an issue last season there, and they've not really added to it at all this season. So, has Rudy Garcia got the flexibility to even try and rotate, or maybe throw some of the players like Katalakara or Rajanich into things to try and get them more game time, or or is it a case of maybe? This one will be, even though obviously getting out of the group will be still important to them, that they may be the secondary focus this season. I think so. I think you you rightly mentioned that there is a good amount of depth in this Marseille side, more so than last year. But I, I think that, you know, his options down the back end of last year were severely limited with regards to rotation. I, I think, you know, we can probably pin Dimitri Paez's injury on that. We can, we can look at Florian Tovan is being exhausted having played the, I think he missed some time with an injury down the back end of last season, if I recall correctly as well. Uh, and I, I think that like, again, like you say, Frank McCourt since taking over this team has never been anything less than very clear about where he sees Marseille's place. There is a, a piece in the New York times by Roy Smith uh, that ran today or yesterday. Um, speaking about McCourt's ambitions with this club, that he truly views Marseille, given their history, having won this competition, uh, the Champions League, rather, in 1993, as perhaps the last great European club that, that that could be had for a reasonable sum of money. And, you know, his his initial approach, uh, from the initial approach to him from Aero was not something that he thought would evolve into ownership. It has. Uh, but I, I think that he really views consistent participation in the Champions League at the expense of Monaco, at the expense of Lyon, whoever it may be this season that, that provides that competition down the, down the stretch, that is the priority. And, and I think that Rudy Garcia is under no illusions. I, I think that last season the priority was, again, this is an incredibly unique circumstance. You know, Marseille weren't expected to progress they were certainly helped by the draw that they had, not having to face, I think, any real top top caliber opposition until until that final. But I think that at this point in time, the focus has to be in the league. You know, give a run out to some to some of the players who who perhaps have been brought in, who are perhaps a little bit younger, and can have a chance to to to, to establish themselves and, to, and impress. I mean, we would look at you know likes of Maxime Lopez. I think a player who has suffered a little bit under Garcia in terms of, in terms of his getting, his getting playing time. Uh, but also, you know, you've got, you know, two decent right backs in Hiroki Sakai and Bunasar. There's, there's a chance to rotate there. You've got uh, Gregory Sertic, you've got Bubakar Kamara. I think that there's, you know, a fair amount of, of opportunity uh, for some of these younger players, Clinton Nalgy. There's a, a fair amount of some of, for some of these players to, you know, remaining Garcia's uh, plans in terms of establishing themselves as viable options by performing well in the Europa League, I think there's a chance for motivation for some of these players as well. So even if he does rotate, I think getting out of the group 
round of 16 quarterfinals, you know, probably will, will come to pass so long as Garcia doesn't see that as potentially affecting uh, their ability to continue to compete in the league. Yeah, absolutely. And it would be interesting to see how they, they get on as well against a, a, a decent side. Frankfurt always tend to give teams a, a good game. On, on to the other two teams and we'll sort of a bit quicker on these ones at least anyway let's sit through because we are running out of time on to Ren for yourself Jez they will be disappointed with the result they got this weekend with the, the 2-1 defeat despite going ahead albeit fortuitously at least anyway with, with Hatem Benoff and now in tow but they've been wanting European football and a lot of teams that, that do want to do that obviously want to try and do as much as they can in terms of at least progressing a little bit otherwise what is the what's the point really in more in more honest terms and they face a, a relatively unknown team in Yablonek they have to hope that maybe a couple of changes here and there but a, a game they should be winning and get their group off to a, a good start yeah a little bit like what I was saying about Atletico, but even more so because they're at home. This is, this is an ideal start. It is a bit of an unknown team, but you, maybe you'd certainly expect Ren to, to, to get the win, and that would be perfect for them. I think that it's always a difficult balancing act. And as you said, it's kind of it's been a frustration year after year that, that um, French teams work so hard to qualify for the Europa League, and then they sort of... Um, Chuck, chuck any chance of doing anything away in order to concentrate on getting a Europa League place. And it all seems a bit circular and, and, and a bit silly at times. So Ren, having been away from Europe for so long, um, there is still that balancing act. They still want, will want to, to make sure that they, they stay in the European places and I really think have a reasonable outside chance of, of even challenging for the Champions League places. Um, so they need to, to find that balance somehow, but I think they've got a, a good deep squad this year. Um, I mean, they've had a deep squad for, for the last few years, but I think this one is possibly, there's, there's more strength in depth. So I think Lemushi certainly has the chance to, to rotate a little bit more without, without sort of losing anything in terms of quality. Um, I'll be nice about Ben Arthur and say that in someone like him, they've got, you know, a potential match winner on this day. I, I don't really believe what I'm saying, but you know, we, can, we can hope. Um, and yeah, this is the ideal way for them, hopefully, to, to start on what hopefully could be a good European run. Yeah, they have to hope that if they want to progress, at least anyway, they need to get results in games like this because uh, otherwise they are going to really sort of be behind things. And then when you're trying to play catch up, it, it, it all. Starts running up on you, at least anyway. And another team that's going to be, have an interesting group, and in all honesty, they're facing their easier game first again. Uh, Eric, is Bordeaux, who who had to Slavia Prague this week. Uh, the other two teams in their group, it's Copenhagen and, and more and more established opponents. And in Zenit as well, seem like the more difficult ties in this one. So it's important, even though they are away from home, and they had an interesting game at the weekend as well, where they scored three but did concede three so it's taken with both pinches of salt really but um they they do need a result in this one still because of that depth in that group and uh, um interesting that it won't be as easy as they think it might be but it is important for them to get off the mark here yeah i mean some really lovely moments from bordeaux today Jimmy Briand, uh, breaking his duck for for les girondins is coming in and I, I think that's important to see given that 
well, given that neither Ricardo had, uh, nor uh, Poye before him seemed to, or Eric Bedaway, uh, his interim manager, seemed to really trust uh, another striker in that role. Uh, I think Brianna's importance is going to be really, really uh, high for Bordeaux, both as they, as they try to manage this. Yeah, I, I think it's a shame that Bordeaux started the season so poorly in the league because it means they really can't focus the way they would like on the Europa League because even with the draw today uh, and having having defeated um, Monaco uh, three weeks ago, there's, they're still in 19th place. So they can't afford to be derelict in terms of how they approach the league. And they've, they've got some tough matches coming up as well. I think we've seen Lille have had a brilliant start to the season. Uh, Reims in two weeks, in, or sorry, in the in the um, in the the following following week's fixtures, uh, Reims have shown that they're going to be a very obdurate side for anybody as well. And I think it's 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 a disappointment to me to see Bordeaux's poor start in the league. And I think that in the the potentially negative effect we've had, I, I think that in an ideal world, this team would be comfortably within the top six as well again this season, but. That poor start means that their priorities might have to take a back seat, which is a disappointing result given given that it's that they they really impressed uh, for my money uh, in getting uh, to the to the group stages. I don't think that a, a, a draw against Ghent, particularly in the playoff round, uh, was any sort of a gimme. And I, I think that they they really showed uh, class and drive and determination in, in that way. So it's it's a shame that their league start could have this potentially negative effect on the way they approach it. And let's hope that they can really pick up their form in the Europa League. Cause again, it, it, they struggled like last season really to even get in and sort of embarrass themselves. They've managed to push themselves through. It'd be a bit of a shame if it ends up being a damp squib for them as well. Um, let's finish off things with, with a, a topic. I know you wanted to talk about a little bit, Eric, and that is Nant who slipped to a, a Pretty boring, really. Nil-nil draw earlier today, but it's only one winner at the first five games with an interesting squad and a manager that a lot of people had a lot of hope for, but they haven't really hit the ground running. Yeah, you know, uh, this is the, the third time I've seen uh, not play this season. I also watched the the winner against Strasbourg for the break and the loss to Monaco as well. I just really question what Miguel Cardoso's endgame is here. Uh, th- this team seems like they're they're doing things right in a lot of ways. Uh, certainly, they're they were disappointed to have lost Adrian Thomason and um, Leo Dubois, but I think that you know Quateng there was a natural replacement for Dubois, and Matt Miazga looks uh, a pretty solid uh, complement to Diego Carlos in defense. So I think that you know there's there's a good level of uh, a good solidity in defense there, but then they brought in this bevy of attacking players. Uh, you've got uh, Lucas Evangelista coming in um, from Udinese, Majid Waris, who people will remember from his time at Lorient, uh, and you've got uh, Anthony Limbombe uh, signed for a club record, I believe, €8 million. Euro. Uh, Gabriel Boschilia is on loan from Monaco, so you have all, all these exciting attacking players. I mean, these are you know, Boschilia before his injury from Monaco two seasons ago, was really known for his free kicks, was a tremendous talent. Uh, Limbombe has, re- has really impressed during his time in Belgium. And I think that so what you have there begs to be an attack-minded, forward-thinking side. 
you know, Emilio Salas proved himself a capable goal scorer over a couple of seasons now for Fournant. He's got, I think, three and five to start the season as well this season. Then you have this team lined up in this 4-3-3 that's very possession-oriented. You've got Rene Crin, uh, uh, the youngster Mutusami, and, and Rangier, whereas this team has to be set up in a more attacking way. I think they need to be playing a 4-1-4-1 or a 4-2-3-1, not this 4-3-3 with Rangier and Mutusami playing such deeper roles. If you've got all these attacking options, you know, have Boschilia play as a 10, uh, have Limbon uh, and, and have Evangelista drop to play as part of a midfield too. He's certainly capable of doing that. Uh, he's got a lot of energy. Partner him with Rangier or have Crean play as a, as a sole defensive midfielder, especially at home against Reims. You know, Reims, I, I think, are going to be a real tough nut to crack for anybody this season. Um, very nasty and combative side, uh, very physical. And I think that David Guillon has this side, you know, they're not, they, well, I mean, frankly, they might remind some of not under Michel Dizakarian. Um, but I think that they are a team that, given the money that not have spent this, this offseason, I think, believe they have an 11 million a net spend, so quite a bit of money by their by their sorry, There was clearly an ambition on the part of, of the president Keita to make this team be a contender for Europe. Um, the quality and caliber of player brought in would indicate that. But if Cardoso is going to play this this style of possession based football, that's that doesn't have uh, st- a level of sting of, of venom of, of finishing. That's uh, gonna that's gonna not give those attacking players that they brought in, and you know, at, at no inconsiderable expense. I, I have to wonder what the point is. It's really frustrating to see because clearly these players are are very talented. Warriors had a poor match today, but Evangelista, in particular, looks a really strong play. We know we know what Valentin Rongier can can offer as well. So so why play with such a level of of caution and, and negativity, especially at home against Rennes, who? you know, again, are solid, but aren't world beaters. Yeah, and it's disappointing to see them not really try and capitalize on getting rid of Ranieri and being less negative and trying to push on. It seems like they're still stuck in neutral, at least anyway. And on to our snapshots then, and I'll start with yourself, just to give Eric a little bit of time to think about his. Now, what's your moment from this weekend that um, our listeners need to know about? Um, I'm going to cheat and go for a couple from from the Neem match, um, Bordeaux Neem. Neem have just been a fantastic best share, I think, so far um, this season. You know, really gave uh, PSG a tough a tough sign in the last match and, and did brilliantly this time coming from uh, being 2-1 up and then 3-2 down and then fighting back for a draw at Bordeaux. So was, and one of those goals, that uh, Neem's second, was um, a fantastic free kick by Bobby Shaw. Um, which followed up. I think it was, it was a fantastic shot against PSG as well. And then also just because of my uh, mess bias, it was it was good to see Bruno Bozok, who the last two years was top scorer in the National and Ligue 2, um, has maybe slightly struggled to to take the step up to Ligue 1, but um, he came up with an assist and his first goal in Ligue 1 um, to to get that draw. So uh, really pleased to see Nim again. Just just taking everyone on sort of um, nose to nose and, and, you know, making a really good fist of it so far. Eric? 
Yeah, I wanted to express a little bit of frustration. Again, it's good to see PSG and Good Nick ahead of their, ahead of their Champions League match, but why Jean-Louis Gasset felt the need to change things tactically um, is kind of beyond me. I mean, he played this 3-4-3 with, with Colo, uh, the left-sided center back alongside Perrin and Subotic. Again, Matthew Debussy is missing. Maybe he doesn't feel like he has an option as an orthodox right back. Gabriel Silva can do a job there. It's not as if Juan Bernat is going to strike fear into the hearts of the attack, the the opposing defender. But you know, trying to play Silva and Kevin Monipeque as wingbacks, especially Monipeque on the right side, I just I don't know. I, I think that the Saint Etienne that four two three one, even missing Remy Cabela, who would naturally be the ten there, is a bizarre move. Have have Casri play as the ten. Have Salaber play as the ten. Why change a formation going away to the Parc des Princes, especially uh, given the, the lack of experience of Monet Paquet and, and Gabriel Silva to play as orthodox wingbacks? It makes no sense, and I think that I think that again, Sente, you know, had a great window. They they brought in a lot of exciting players in Casri, Salaber, uh, Cabela per- permanently. This is a team that should be pushing for Europe, but to be humiliated at the Parc des Princes, even even with a, a PSG on song. It just makes me have a little bit of doubt about, you know, Gasset's approach to this season. He has he had a formula that was successful last season. Why change it, even even in the absence of Debussy? I think uh, some people will at least give Lever the benefit of the doubt that they always seem to give up a Paris Saint-Germain. Maybe they might pick it up next week. I think mine will go to Lille striker uh, Nicolas Pepe grabbing a hat-trick, albeit with two penalties. So it, it, it does have that slight caveat, but um, maybe a good move in he the did, end. He did win both penalties, to be fair. Yeah, so, yeah, so caveat that he had penalties, but caveat they obviously won them as well so credit to him good to get him get those goals and he has had a, a strong start to the season as well even though Leo were maybe looking to see if they could get um, a little bit of cash for him to help boost things but four goals um joint second top scorer along with Neymar and Mbappe isn't the bad thing and Lille flying high in third with 10 points a much different picture compared to last season and he's been a big factor in it so far as well uh, that's all that we have for this evening my thanks to eric jez sam and all of you listening at home uh, do join us for the preview show on thursday and the main show we'll be back at the same time same place next week i'll be until and goodbye